There's a solitary, humble, wooden structure on a windswept hill in rural New England. To open the door is to engage our minds, our hearts, and our imaginations. In this place, preachers and professors, past and present, come alive as they walk the aisle, ascend the pulpit stairs, and teach. From theology, from history, and from the Word of God, welcome to the Saybrook Meeting House, an audio production of Saybrook Ministries. Augustine, born A.D. 354, died A.D. 430. The greatest battles that have ever been fought have been fought right in the heart of a man or of a woman or of a boy or of a girl. In such a battle, instead of ranks of soldiers engaged in hand-to-hand -hand conflict, low ideals contest with high ideals. Right feelings struggle with wrong feelings. High resolutions meet with powerful temptations. It was this kind of battle that Augustine fought with himself in the Garden of Milan about the year 386. To him, it was more terrible than any battle fought in the Great War. We can understand that battle fought in Augustine's heart in the Garden of Milan only when we know how the story of his life led up to this experience. Augustine was born in Africa, in the town of Tagaste, in the year 354. Africa was part of the great Roman Empire. Since the days of Polycarp, Christianity had made great progress. The Roman emperors had themselves become professing Christians and had forbidden the persecution of the followers of Christ. But the proclamations of the emperors had not routed paganism from the empire. Monica, Augustine's mother, was one of the noblest Christian mothers who ever lived. Writers have said that it was the prayers of Monica that at last led Augustine to Christ. Augustine's father, Patricius, was a pagan. Possibly he had not become a Christian because he was a politician a member of the city council, and the pagans rather than the Christians were in power in Tagaste. So Augustine grew up in a home that was made Christian by his mother, but in which his father set him a different kind of example. Tagaste was a busy city, situated where many roads met. There traders from distant places came to exchange their wares, and Augustine would watch with interest these merchants of many nations. He would also see the galloping horses of the imperial mail as they plunged over the roads on their hurried errands for the Roman government. Augustine liked to play handball and to catch birds and make pets of them. He also played soldier and pretended that he was Hannibal, the great Carthaginian general, or Scipio, the Roman commander, or Achilles, or Hector, the Greek warriors. At school, his teacher was strict and hard and many a thrashing the youngster received. He tells how he often prayed in the morning that he might not be whipped that day, but God did not answer his prayers, for he was, quote, not a good boy, unquote. 
A great ambition stirred the heart of Augustine. He wanted to be a rhetorician. A rhetorician was a professor of language and an orator. Augustine dreamed of moving great crowds by his eloquence. If Augustine's ambition was to be realized, it was necessary for him to study in a better school than was to be found in Tagaste. Accordingly, he was sent to the city of Madura, 30 miles from Tagaste. In Madura was a statue of Apuleius, a famous orator, philosopher, and sorcerer, honored in all northern Africa. We can imagine that young Augustine must have paused before the statue of this famous man and dreamed of becoming, like him, an orator whose name would be heralded throughout the world. It was not long before Augustine, now fifteen, drifted away from his Christian ideals and his Christian faith. When he returned to Tagaste, he was really a pagan. But his mother did not give up hope. God, she believed, was able to save even such a youth as Augustine had become, and she prayed unceasingly for him. Ambition next took Augustine to Carthage, where he expected to finish his education as a rhetorician. Carthage was at that time one of the five great cities of the world. Here he found a city even more pagan than Madura. Carthage was given to pleasure of the most degrading kind, and Augustine, now a young man of 18, broke away completely from his Christian ideals and gave himself to a life of indulgence. At the same time, he made progress in his studies and established a reputation as a public speaker. One day he found a book called Hortensius. This book was written by Cicero, the famous Roman orator and philosopher, but has been lost. As Augustine read the book, he came to the words, The Pursuit of Truth. Suddenly, Augustine's whole view of life was changed. Truth, not pleasure, now became his goal. He wanted to know the truth. In his search for the truth, he read the Bible. But he was too fond of rhetoric to appreciate its plain, direct language. In despair, he turned to the teaching of the Manichaeans, a peculiar religious sect which at this time was making great progress in Africa. Their teaching is hard for us to understand, nor is it necessary for us to understand it. The Manichaean teachers, however, talked so much as if they knew it all that Augustine, who was seeking the truth, became one of them. Soon he became one of their cleverest debaters. He liked this religion because in spite of the Manichaeans' pretense to holiness of life, he felt he could still continue to live in sin. When he went back to Tagaste from Carthage, a young man of 20, he was an outspoken, conceited Manichaean. Augustine returned to Carthage and practiced his profession, but he began to feel disgusted with the teaching of the Manichaeans. Had he found truth after all? Eagerly, he awaited the arrival of Faustus, one of the Manichaeans' famous teachers. When Faustus arrived, Augustine was completely disgusted, for Faustus could not answer his questions. The teachings of the Manichaeans did not stand the test of fact and experience, and their leaders could not satisfy his mind. The religion which he had so cleverly defended no longer satisfied him. From Carthage, Augustine went to Rome. 
There he met with disappointment. He now scarcely believed anything, and he wondered if truth was to be found anywhere. He secured an appointment in Milan, but here again he met with disappointment. He had not found the truth that would satisfy him. In Milan his health failed him, and he became discouraged. But Milan was a Christian city, and the famous Ambrose was its bishop. Augustine went to hear Ambrose preach, and he began to read the Bible again. He was impressed by the fact that the Bible made good men and women. Now the struggle in his heart became intense. Could he give up his evil practices and turn from his sins and serve Christ? One day, when he saw a drunken beggar on the street, seemingly happy in his intoxication, Augustine, who all his life had been seeking happiness and pleasure, was tempted to give up his search for truth and give himself over to enjoyment. But he could not get rid of the thought that there is more to life than mere pleasure. There is something else, he said, and he began again his search for truth. Now the Bible appealed to his heart, but he was too proud to acknowledge that he needed a Savior, and too fond of his sins to be willing to give them up. Then one of his friends gave him a book by Plato, the Greek philosopher. And as he read it and compared it with the Gospel by John and the epistles of Paul, the truth began to take hold upon him. He must escape from his sins, but how? He could not break the chains that held him in slavery. He was told of Victorinus, the famous rhetorician and philosopher, who became a Christian and immediately announced his conversion to the multitudes. Augustine wondered at such courage. He was told how Anthony, a famous monk, had given up the world to serve Christ, and Augustine felt ashamed of his own weakness. Then, in the Garden of Milan, he fought the battle with his weakness and his sin. How long, how long, he cried, Tomorrow and tomorrow, why not this hour make an end of my vileness? To understand Augustine's experience, read Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. Then he heard a voice, the voice of a child, perhaps from a neighboring house. Take and read, take and read. Had God spoken to him through a child? He went back to his Bible. The verse upon which his eyes fell was Romans 13, verse 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Then and there, Augustine's better self, by the grace of God, won the battle, and he gave his heart to Christ. He rose from his knees with a new peace in his heart. He had found the truth. He had found true joy in Christ. Joyfully he went to his mother, who had followed him from city to city while she kept praying for him, and made her happy by his confession of Christ. Quietly 
he began his Christian life. After a time coming out before the world as a Christian, then he started for Africa. On the way, his mother died. But he went on to Tagaste, where he turned his house into a monastery. He gave himself to the study of the scriptures. He wrote and spoke in defense of his faith. His life and his writing and his power in debate made him one of the best-known men in northern Africa. One day he attended the church in Hippo. During the service, the bishop spoke of the need of priests. Instantly the congregation cried out, Augustine, a priest! Augustine, a priest! And then and there, he was ordained to the priesthood. Later he was made Bishop of Hippo, a position which he filled for more than 35 years. Augustine wrote and taught and preached and defended the truth of Christianity. He relieved the needs of the poor, managed the property of his diocese, preached in the cathedral, prepared converts for membership in the church, ministered impartially to rich and poor, educated and ignorant, and in spite of threats and dangers and hardships, served Christ with the utmost devotion to the very end. He died when Hippo was being besieged by the barbarian hordes into whose hands the city fell after his death. Augustine has been recognized as the greatest of the Church Fathers. For a thousand years his influence dominated the Christian Church, and it is still felt today. From Heroes of the Church by Park Hayes Miller Published in 1922 Thank you for joining us this week at the Saybrook Meeting House. We hope you've been blessed by today's podcast. Saybrook Ministries' mission is to provide didactic and devotional content from the Christian faith delivered to the saints, recovered and refined by the Protestant Reformation. Be sure to visit saybrookministries.org for continually updated Christian content designed to inspire and invigorate our imagination and intellect. Join us next week for another journey to the Saybrook Meeting House. Until then, may God bless you.